Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. You know, Owen, if, obviously, if we look at this week uh, on the WTA side, we had a great final. Um, in Madrid between Sabalenka and Bardi. And yes. I mean, what a rivalry this is becoming and two of the best players right now on the WTA tour for sure. Um, I'll start with what I say, what I think about um, Ash Bardi first in that, you know, just the way she's backing it up now. I mean, she went Stuttgart. She goes, she goes this week in, in Madrid with people fully expecting her to do well because now she's building up that reputation of being that week in week out consistent number one. And she's a great number one right now. And she proved that this week, obviously with really good wins over Kvitova and before that Iga Sviantek and that Sviantek match was a big statement for her because uh, those were the two most recent Roland Garros champions with Barty winning in 2019 and Iga Sviantek winning in 2020. And the way she was able to pull away with that match and win decisively in the end with two competitive sets, it was a really fun match to watch. And I think uh, that gave her a lot of confidence and she was able to get through Kvitova and then win her semifinals. And, but really, um, Arena Sabalenka has really impressed me this whole year. Yes. And so this result to me, with the altitude and the conditions and the way she plays with her first strike tennis and um, the, the big strokes that she has on the forehand and backhand, she was overwhelming opponents. She was beating them handedly, barely losing games, hitting so many winners in every single round. And against Barty, she's played her tight many times in the past. She played her very tight in Stuttgart before, you know, an injury came in, came in the way. And I think, uh, you know, Barty was able to run away with it. But here with these conditions, I actually really favored her going into the final, um, contrary to some people. And I think she showed that by that amazing first set that she played where she just blew Barty off the court. I mean, it didn't matter what Barty was throwing at her. She was getting down low. She was dealing with the slices extremely well. She was, um, she was serving brilliantly. She was swiping return winners and Barty just said too good. And she showed brilliant resolve. She reset immediately. And eventually I think in that first set, uh, Sabalenka made one unforced error, the whole set, which, which is incredible, over and- especially playing such low percentage tennis as she was. Absolutely. And, you, you know, I mean, you think it's low percentage, but I think it's so, it just, she has so much time because mm, she's able to, yeah. she's able to, uh, um, I mean, just set up so effectively after that serve. It's like, she is just on the, on the ball, any ball that's short, deep, it doesn't matter. And her Almost contact point is, I would say. Yeah, and that's a great comparison. I compared her to Kvitova um, on Twitter, and I just said it sometimes doesn't matter who she's playing. When she reaches that level, now the key is can she sustain that level? And inevitably, it dropped off just a hair where Barty was able to break her, and then she eventually broke back in that second set. But then eventually, 
I thought um, Barty's forehand return started clicking really well, and Sabalenka started missing a few more first serves. And that eventually meant that Barty was getting into some of those patterns with the slice and maneuvering her around the court. Now, Sabalenka is not one-dimensional. Um, she comes up with good variety of, of her own. She's hit. She can push her opponents back and come up with drop shots of her own. She can defend. She's improved her movement. I think the belief is really there now for her mm-hmm. more than anything else because I think six to eight months ago, she didn't really believe she could beat the top players. She always had, she always still inevitably has these dips and matches where, you know, for three or four games, she'll just go off the boil. But she, her ability to reset and erase those games and that disappointment so quickly is what makes her so great, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think we have to talk about the end of this match because it looks we like absolutely have to might have made, you know, like a world number done a world number one thing, reset to win the second. And then when Sabalenka was serving at 3-4-15-30, it looks like Vardy was in good position there, but Sabalenka won the last 11 points of the match. She won yeah. uh, She won that game, held to 30, and then she broke Vardy to love. I think there was a double fault in there, but on break point, she absolutely yeah. brutalized a backhand winner down the line. And then, So I think the perfect way to talk about this would actually be, yeah, you're right, absolutely. She won the last 11 points, she broke at love, and... One of those points was a double fault, but originally the first two points before that, I think that double fault was a byproduct of how well she was actually returning because mm. at four all, love all, I mean, Barty hits this in- incredible forehand inside in. And you're thinking, Sabalenka, no way she can get to, to this with enough time to just explode. And she gets there, not only with enough time, but she gets there and she just absolutely crushes a forehand cross court, makes Barty slide and defend on her forehand. And then Uh, forces the error and then you get to love 15 and then she hits another great inside in and this time again forcing Barty and then eventually Barty misses a slice that's just a little bit too high for her but she was forced to defend so much that she was going to be in a vulnerable position either way whether she made the slice or not and then obviously you have the double fault at love 30 and then but after that double fault I mean Barty hits a very decent second serve in my opinion but Sabalika just crushes a backhand winner down the line for, for the break so she really took that game. I mean, that was very impressive. And then I thought she would show a little bit more nerves serving it out. And, um, you know, it's not that she ha- she's prone to nerves or anything like that. She can maneuver that uh, and get around dealing with those nerves effectively. But to eventually win over the number one and hold at love was very impressive. Yeah, she and- just rode that hot streaks to the end. It was way too fierce for Barty to slow it down, which was really impressive. And I think you're Absolutely. right about the double fault. When you get bullied around the court like that on consecutive points, and then you miss your first serve, it puts so much pressure on the second to be good. So that, that doesn't happen again. And that can result in misses, which is exactly what happened. Yeah, and I mean, and we can even go back to that 1-2 game, you know, where, where Sabalenka was serving and she was 15-40 down. And after um, to go down 15-40, there was a turning point in this match because at that point, she smacks her racket against the ground and, you know, doesn't break it or anything, but just a swipe in frustration. But it's a very quick one and just get it out of the way and give yourself enough time before you serve. She misses the first serve and she screams. Like she lets out this roar and she just goes, ah, you know, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and much more high pitched than what I just did. But, but, and then, and then she, she goes for the second serve and then she hits, she just bullies Seb, uh, Barty around the court and she wins both those two points. Like she wins them, you know, Barty doesn't give her those mistakes. And then she hits two good, really good serves that don't come back at deuce and add add in. Mm-hmm. And when she held for that game, just the amount of pressure that was lifted off her shoulders, I feel, 
is just made her really believe that, wow, I can, I can actually get over the line. You know, third time is the charm. I've lost to Barty twice already this year and these conditions favor me more. And so I'm going to take my advantages and take my chances here. And Barty didn't actually give her many chances, but she took all of them and grabbed it. So yeah. Yeah. She saved five of the eight break points she faced. I think you're right that that hold it one, two really lifted some pressure. And I think the hold it, um, from 1530 as well at three, four allowed her to sort of just say, okay, now I can go for this return game. And yeah, it was just a really impressive set in general and a really impressive finish. And she totally deserves this title. She's now world number four, I think, and number three in the race and closing in on Naomi Osaka in the second spot. And also, I'm so glad we got that scream of yours on recording and it will now be posted on Spotify. We <laughs> oh, can no. go back and bring it up whenever we want. So thank you no. for thank you for doing that. Well, I gotta I gotta do something right to make this as entertaining yeah. as possible. <laughs> but uh but i mean the one thing also for her now the next step is to just get to a major quarterfinal like yes, you're four exactly. in the world now you're number three in the race you've won four masters 1000 four wta 1000 titles this was your 10th title overall when you're at your best very very few players can stop you it's kavitova-esque it's serena type tennis it's like osaka on a hard court can maybe deal with this but it's like very few players can really do it i mean even serena that was a great loss that she had at the Australian Open. Just two bad games at four or five in the first set, four or five in the third set. Yep. And, you know, she's in the quarterfinals with a shot. So against uh, Simona Halep, who she matches up well against. So it's, um, it's for now. And, and now she's proving that she can do it on clay and hard courts at, at least. So I think for her, I, I, I do believe she'll take that next step. I find it so hard to believe that you can be four in the world and not have a major quarterfinal yet. So yeah, I, I agree. Game. And she's got plenty of time. She's only just turned 23. And like you said, that loss at the Australian Open to Serena was a good loss, but I would say definitely keep an eye out for the major results. The last thing she wants is to happen. Ivan Lubitsch-esque career where I think you get up to number four in the world, <laughs> but I think it took him a really long time to get to a major semifinal. And I think it may have only happened once. So yeah, so yeah I'd, I'd love to see her go deep at the French Open or at a different major this year because it just feels like it's deserved and it's time after all the great results she's been having in 2021. Wow, Ivan Dubicic mentioned in this podcast. This is this is this is a great. I did not. I was not expecting that comparison. That's well done. <laughs> I, I think that's right. I I feel like I read that in an article um, pretty recently. Yeah. No. No. Was, no. You're right. I mean, Dubicic got to three in the world, and he he made the one semifinal in 2006 at the French. Yeah, so. French Open. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll give a yeah. little shout out to uh, the changeover. They did um an article that was like a review of that <laughs> entire men's draw, and that's how I know this. Yeah. The really starstruck moment for me was when he waved to me on Twitter. Yeah, on that, that was so cool. Stats. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I was, um, I've got his yeah. best major results here. Um, made a quarterfinal at the Australian in 2006, but only as far yeah. as the third round at Wimbledon and the U.S. Open. Yeah, I think he was uh, listed as one of the players who beat all of the big three at least twice. So that he has that going for him, and obviously coach of Roger Federer, and he also manages Matteo Berrettini. So that's, wow, that's I didn't know that about Berrettini. Yeah, that is quite the tennis resume. Like, off-court stuff yeah. is maybe just as impressive as the on-court stuff. Yeah. And, I mean, I remember in 2018, he was managing Chorich, and Chorich was always playing Federer and beating him. And and he was having to sit there as a coach, but he was also Conflict of managing, interest. Chor- Yikes. managing yeah. Chorich. So, <laughs> so that was... So so he obviously definitely has multiple hats in the sport, but we, we digressed. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, and, and very cool that he replied to you on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, but I guess, you know, just looking at the overall week, it was, 
it 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 does uh, make this very interesting because you have a rivalry now and yes um and i want to say now because they played eight times and they've split four of them there's they're four each and they could play again in the quarterfinals of rome so that'd be wonderful so this is what the wta needs you know it needs consistent rivalries with these with these top players and you know any match now between sabalenka party um Osaka, Andrescu, Iga Svantec, you know, even throw in Kennan, who made one major final and one major semi. Uh, any match between these six, I mean, what a crop. Like, yeah. these matches are so mouthwatering to me. Yeah, I agree with you. We can get, like, any of those pairings in a quarterfinal or even a fourth round, and it's so exciting. But I think what would add even another dimension of appeal to this is if the same matchups were to keep occurring and we have seen yeah. this with um Sapolenka and Vardy and it's just really exciting because they've played some amazing matches and so when you see them this close in the draw it creates anticipation and the fact that it's a close rivalry and they've split their meetings and that they've both been playing so well on clay so I think this creates a lot of drama and anticipation for not just Rome but Roland Garros as well like will they play there where um where will they end up in the draw and you can look at where they end up relative to each other. So I would love to see um, more rivalries like this develop as well, because I think that would just be amazing. And we're already in a golden age of the WTA, but this would make it a, a platinum platinum age, I think. Yeah, yeah, well said. And I mean, yeah, and I just love Sabalenka's celebration at the end. She did like this little dance. <laughs> so funny, was nice. yeah. And then obviously a very gifable moment in the trophy ceremony. Where <laughs> when she, she freaked out the from the confetti. Yeah, that was that was very wholesome. I, I watched that several times. <laughs> yeah, the confetti celebration is quite something in Madrid. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying. Yeah. And um and if we're to talk about a couple other players in the draw, um Paula Bedosa mm-hmm. made a really fairy tale run um in her home home tournament. She did really well. She beat up Linda Bencic in the quarterfinals. Uh she beat um Sevastova. A bagel in the third set there after um two tie breaks in the first two sets and um and i think she did pretty well against Barty as well she lost in straight sets but uh, she had five break points she converted just one of those but i do think the match was tighter than the score and that this will give her a lot of confidence going forward yeah and she's a great player on clay she she obviously beat Barty and charleston earlier in the year yep. on albeit green clay but still clay and so so i think um yeah, she's a, she's a player to watch out for, and great to see her do so well. She was the first Spanish woman to ever make a semifinal um, in Madrid in her hometown, yeah. and so she got that occasion. And she looks so looks and reminds me so much of Maria Sharapova. Yes, the so. similarities similarities are kind of uncanny. I I love her backhand. I think she's got a really great backhand. She hits her forehand well as well. So like great power from the baseline, and it was good to see her string a lot of good results together. Um, Actually, my first memory of watching her play is from the 2019 Australian Open when she played Kvitova in the third round, I think. Yeah. And I remember she lost the first set 7-5, and then in the second, she was up 5-4 and returning, and she had three set points, love 40. And she missed all of them. And on one, it was a backhand pass that missed by a couple millimeters. And then Kvitova went on to take that second set 7-5. And I thought the change in momentum was so um, pronounced that I wanted to write an article about it. But I remember mm. um, just seeing, like, but that, that match has always stayed with me. So it was cool to see her um, make a deep run this tournament. Yeah, to- totally agree. And, you know, we had a deep run by Pavlyonchenkova. Mm-hmm. Which was which was nice to see. I mean, she's a player who's been around for quite a while, but she's never and she's won a lot of WTA titles. She's won twelve of them, but she hasn't uh, ever made the top ten. Whether it be due to, you know, I mean, but when whether it be you know, the players 
who are more consistent than her end up getting the better of her on on normal occasions. But she's made a quarterfinals, and she's beaten top players before. Um, uh, she made the quarterfinals, if I'm not mistaken, at the 2020 Australian Open, and yeah, I think so. She made a she made a quarterfinal there, and I was quite impressed with her there because she took out Karolina Pushkova in the third round and mm. in an impressive fashion, and then won another match afterwards. So I thought she 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 would back that up, but she beats Brady here. She beats Mukova. yeah, and one of the longest matches of the week against Brady. That was um. 240 yeah. points were played in this match and she she did really well brady won just 33 percent of second serve points tethlyuchenkova had 12 break points converted six of them and brady did really yeah. well just to get it to a de- deciding set but tethlyuchenkova closed the door pretty effectively a beautiful backhand passing shot on match point so that was one of the matches of the week i think um in terms of drama yeah totally and um yeah, I mean, and she has a, she has a a great backhand. Really love her ball striking, and she's she also beat Pushkova the round before that, and bageled her, which was she seems to really like that that matchup. So that mm-hmm. that bodes well for her, I think. Yeah, and uh, and and just checking my notes, she did actually get to the quarterfinals. I was right in twenty twenty. Okay, um, lost eventually to Garbini Muguruza, but but uh, no shame in that yeah. loss. She got to the final, and she yeah. was in a good position to win that final as well. So. Yeah, and I think the match that uh, that really blew me in that tournament was after the Pliskova match. She and Kerber played a fantastic match, which was um, which was three sets, and she saved a, she saved a match point. And that was I remember at the time one of the matches of the tournament where she ended up winning six two in the in the third. Hmm. And uh, I have to go back Kerber, and watch highlights of that. Kerber was starting to get her form because Kerber kind of peaks in even years, like she wins right. 2016, 2016, 2018, yeah. And so 2020, I thought, oh boy, Kerber. Yeah, beware of the even numbers with uh, Angelique <laughs> yeah. So then, then Pavli and Chekova kind of stopped her and then COVID happened and now Kerber's getting a little, uh, you know, Kerber's not getting any younger. So, But 2022, that's an even number. So look out there. Yeah, so, so look out for her next year. <laughs> yeah. um, I, think, um, I think we should talk as well a little bit about, um, a little bit more about Barty and Sviantek's match because I think... Yeah just statistically as well as quality wise this was just such a fascinating match i'm looking at the stats here and it looks like um Sviantek actually won more points on the return 27 yeah. to 23 but she converted one of her seven break points and Barty was perfect she was three for three and uh Sviantek just served at 47 percent and she double faulted six times and so this was this match was a seven five six four but uh Sviantek led three zero in the first set and she had a game at five all where she double faulted three times. And that was sort of yeah. uh, the death knell in the first set. And so I think even though she lost this match, when when she was on song, I think she was the better player. Her backhand really impressed me. She hit several return winners off of that wing. And it was, um, it was shooting through the court really nicely. And so I think it sort of reminded me of her Australian Open match with Halep, where when she was on in the first set, she was the better player. Halep was almost at a loss for what to do. But then when she went off the boil, things went south really quickly. And so I think if she can just eradicate those dips from her game to an extent, she's going to be so difficult to stop. Because I think Barty had a difficult time with it, even with the dips, pronounced dips that she did have. Uh, What did you think? Yeah. Um, that's a very good analysis, and that's a good takeaway because I think even with those pronounced dips, she was able to make it so close. But exactly, yeah. But I think going to the first set, um, her backhand was an absolute thing of beauty in the beginning. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I thought she was hitting these glorious backhand winners. Really, she has an ability to not only defend, but also counterattack on that wing, which is huge. And she can take it down the line and just, and she has that, um, you know, uh, open stance defense on the backhand, which is huge on yeah. clay when she slides. And so she she really gets the second serve to me um, is a little bit mental and technical. Mm-hmm. At five all in the in the third set, those three double faults that she did were very costly because she kind of just handed the break over to Barty and then, um, you know, Barty, the world number one that she is, she, she was able to stretch her lead. Yeah. And so I think um, as long as we, the sample size for me is too small to see, to know whether that's a pattern yet or not, but the serve, mm-hmm. but uh, second serve is an, is an area where everybody should be looking to get better. And that was an example of where it cost her in a big match. Yeah. And so I think she is smart enough that she'll look at that and, and analyze that. Um, whether it be just making minor techniques, technical changes, so that eventually when she gets herself in that position again, it becomes more automatic in that moment to um, to get the serve in the in the box at that point. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I mean, uh, and I think six double faults, uh, some of them just came in in opportune times. And so she'll look at that and that'll be something she can work on. And then I also think, um, you know, Barty started returning a lot better in the second set. And eventually just when she got the break, and she faced a tough moment in the second set. It was 3-2, love 40. Yeah. And she came up with really good, um, uh, like Sviantek was in the rallies, but then she was able to get the better of her forehand to forehand, mm-hmm. which was huge. Which was because, huge. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, she was able to take Sviantek's time away and rush her, which is not easy to do on a clay court. And so that's where I think it was a statement win for, for Barty to really prove that like she's the favorite now for the French Open, I think. I, I um, agree. Yeah. And and, and I think yeah. quickly on a Sviantek serve, it looks like uh, according to Google scores, she won 72% of her second serve points. So according to that, it seems like she would have been quite aggressive with it. Um, but six double faults is too many. It's a game and a half and three of them coming in one game is is too much. So I think sort of scaling back the aggression on that serve would serve her well, pun unintended, um, <laughs> if, uh, if these Google scores stats are correct. So um but yeah, I think even even with the issues she did have, the fact that she made it so close is a testament to how high her peak is. I think, I mean, I think Sabalenka might be um, a candidate for this as well. But I think when she's on yeah. her peak on clay is the highest on tour, and so I think it's just a matter of can she sustain it for long? Because I think if she can, she's going to win Roland Garros again, and maybe like we saw how dominant she was last year because she just didn't really have those tips. And yeah. So, so like I, I mean, I almost don't like to say this because it's such almost primitive analysis. But for her, I really think it is a matter of how long can she play well for. Because when mm-hmm. when she plays well, she wins, and when she is dips, maybe she doesn't win. And I feel like that's yeah. It's I think that'll just that be the next. Sometimes. That's just the next step for her. I think is winning matches when she, against the very best when she's not at her when best. she's not playing think, well. Yeah, winning with and, her B game. And that'll come with experience, which she doesn't have because she won the French Open so early that it's that uh, you know inevitably it can only go down from there. Like losing the yeah. like losing twenty eight games to win a French Open, like how do you even top that? You know. So yeah, I think it, exactly. I think I think there's that's a bit a great of a reset that afterwards. it's almost a double edged sword because it's so great to win a major at such a young age, obviously, but like she wasn't tested she won so easily so so she has that major under her belt but what she doesn't have is those 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tensely close physical and mentally taxing matches. Like um, if we look at Nadal, who also won Roland Garros really early, what he had right before he won that was uh, that five and a half hour Rome match with Coria which I think was huge for his mental and physical development. And I don't think Sviantec has had a match like that yet. And the more she plays, the more of them she'll get. And so I think um, I think you're completely right that in that way, winning in such dominant fashion may be working against her a little bit as she did now, because she never really had a match like the one she had with Barty. In that entire Roland Garros run, she played Halif, but it was never close because she beat her so badly. So, yeah. And so I, I think, think these tests thing... will only help her eventually. Yeah, totally agree. And I think it's a, it's a good thing is that she's only 19 and she already has a psychologist and they're working on the mental part of her game so that when she does come in these pressure situations, she's super calm and composed. And I think that will, that mindset that she has mental is huge. And I think that'll serve her really well. And I think if, if the biggest thing is like you're winning 72% of your second serve points and I mean, six of those are double faults, that's a really good sign. That means like it's, that means like it's very clear, you know, what, what you need to work on like matches like this i feel yeah. like just give you so much information that um is so good for like a young player and she can use this as a like a springboard to uh you know just post like just consistency and decent results after you win your first major um it's quite good like you know it, it's very rare that a player wins like two or three majors in a row like, it is um you know right away i mean even even the big three, like they've had a reset. Like, you yeah, know, th- they didn't do that. Andy Murray was close, but yeah, it, it hasn't been right. done in such a long time. Yeah. And I mean, the only recent example that I Osaka. have of is Osaka when she did it in 2018 and 2019. But this is, um, this I feel like is even, is even harder because, you know, it came on, it came on the clay and then you have yeah. the. And then the next major is a different off-season. surface. So as well, because exactly. Osaka's were both on hard court. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, so it was a great tournament overall, and it delivered. I think uh, you know every day in terms of popcorn matches, and it, it was super intriguing. And so I guess if we look ahead to Rome, yeah, um, it's quite a quite a brilliant draw again. Unfortunately, it's uh, it could have been even more better had Bianca Andreescu not withdrawn from the tournament. Right. I think unfortunately, I saw her post uh, today on Instagram that she's. Uh, she she tested negative following the isolation period in Madrid, but then um, because of government restrictions and COVID rules, um, she doesn't want to put herself uh, at risk again in in Rome. So at least the good thing for Bianca fans is it's not an injury, which is always a positive. Yes, absolutely.
So that's... Yeah, I mean, it's it's not ideal because we won't get to see her play and she won't get to play. But yeah, I mean, if if she's physically healthy, then I, I think that's great news. So. And yeah, um, so. and I think even without her in it, this is a really exciting draw. We touched on this earlier, but Vardy and Sabalenka are in the same quarter, which I don't think we could ask for anything better than that. Um, so yeah, so, yeah. and Vardy Vardy could face. I mean, Sabalenka in her first match could face face your favorite player on the WT. <laughs> I, I was going to say this is a really interesting first rounder because we have Sarah Saribas Tormo and uh, Kamala Georgie, who is by all accounts a a ball basher and that is going to be yeah. a lot of attacking and a lot of defending <laughs> i can tell you that yeah and even really quickly about sarah cerebus tomo there's one match right now that just i will never forget that sticks in my memory and it involves sarah cerebus tomo and she mm-hmm. lost it and it was last year in ostrava this is actually the moment where sabalenka really hit into gear because since the French Open in twenty nine in twenty twenty, where she lost to Ons Jabor, Cybalenka is thirty three and six, and That's only incredible. her losses have have only been to Muguruza, Bardi, and Serena, and a peaking Kai Kanepi, which she sometimes does against top yeah. players. She's known for that. So, so um, this match is what turned it around, I believe, for Cybalenka. This great run. She's playing in Ostrava. She's playing Sarah Saribas Tomo in the quarterfinals. She's down six zero four zero. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? I do. <laughs> and then she wins the next 10 games in a row. And I think winning that just gave her so much confidence because then she wins, then she gets through and beats um, Azarenka. She beats she beat Brady before that, and then she beat Azarenka in the final. And then she goes the next week and wins and just wins that whole tournament, beats, beats Elise Mertens in the final. And then obviously we have the great 2021 here. So I think just going into that season, just knowing that you can win a match when you're down love six, love four, is so huge for your confidence, and mind I, you, I think before it would give the you a sense of invincibility coming back from that yeah, far down, like that, that it almost doesn't matter what the score is. I can hit through the defenses of Sarah Saribas Tormo, and I'm at I'm at and not even love six, love four. She had break points to go down love five, two. It's it's so, insane, yeah. And and, and you're right. I, I think winning that many games in a row and not getting broken by Saribas Tormo, like that, as much as coming back from that far down would give you confidence, like consistently yeah. hitting through the wall. So I, I'd love to see a rematch between those two. Sorry, uh, yeah, Kamala and, Georgia. And this is not related, but the round before that actually, Coco Goff led um, led Sabalenka to it was six one five seven five two, and she had two breaks ahead. Serving oh for gosh. the match, double breakup. And Sabalenka somehow found a way, won that in a third set tie break, and then she pulls up this SST match, and that's how she's been invincible against most players since. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that has evidently done a lot for her mindset. And yeah, and, yeah. and I have to say, I think it's awesome that this happened in Ostrava as well without the exclamation points on the court. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to go back and watch those highlights again because... Yeah, Sabalenka has been on an amazing run of results since then. And yeah, like you said, absolutely no coincidence that it started with that. Pulling out close matches from that far behind can completely lift your confidence, make you feel like you're playing with house money if you feel you're a bit fortunate to still be in the draw. And Sabalenka has just been done an amazing job of riding that wave. So, um, yeah. And and actually, I do see Barty getting to the quarterfinals because I just think she's such too. a winning machine right now. And and okay, she might be a bit fatigued and tired from all this traveling and winning so much. But I think, you know, I just don't see anybody stopping her until the quarters. Like uh, she's got, you know, potentially Elise Martins the round before. 
Um, you know, that'll be could tricky, be tricky, but, I think but she'll be the favorite there. She'll be the favorite there, exactly. And um, I have to ask if if we do get a Barty Sabalenka quarterfinal, who do you have going through that one? I would say um, in these conditions, I like Barty a little more yep. than I did in. Um, but I think it would be a nice three set match again, and I think Barty comes through. I, I was going to say the same thing. I think the slower conditions yeah. will give Barty more time to set up, and and she comes through in three sets. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, there's always a possibility for letdown from Sabalenka's end. Yeah. Um. From from a week like like that, where she was just absolutely so dominant, and it's completely different conditions, and she won't have a whole lot of time to to adjust um, mm-hmm. to that in, in a way. And so, and, and I think emotionally, it'll be harder for her to rebound than Barty because just because the end of that match yeah. was so intense, and I think very cathartic as well. So it is tough to mentally rebound from that right away and start playing more tennis. Yeah, absolutely. And before Sabalenka, I mean, ended Barty's run. You know, Barty had won her last 16 matches in a row on red clay. She had won her last 10 against top 10 players. And she was the she was like 26 and 25 and 3 on the year and like 17 and 4 against top 10 since Miami 2019. So like mm-hmm. it's you know, this win I think was was pretty big, but I just hope that we get to see this rivalry over and over. And this would be the fourth time, Me too. fourth consecutive week that they would play in basically eight weeks. So yeah, that that'd just be a dream. Yeah, and I mean, there's other first first corn first popcorn matches like Yulia Putinseva versus Goff. Expect some drama in that one with Putinseva yeah. and and Goff obviously trying to trying to win uh, win matches at, uh, and problem solve mm-hmm. at, at her age. So yeah, that that could be interesting. And then there's a few other like first round popcorn matches. Yeah, throughout this I, I think this second um, section is really interesting too because we have a uh, Sviantek and Risk. And then right below yeah. that, we have uh, Muguruza and Pavlyuchenkova. I think oh, both of those yeah. would be popcorn matches. And um, the seeded players in the section of dra- of the draw are uh, Kennan and Spitalina. But I like uh, Sviantek or Muguruza's chances better to come through that section than either of theirs. Yeah, that's a good pick. I think Muguruza will be interesting because she's taken some time off now um, mm-hmm. with the injury. Because she actually led Put- she played Putin Seva in a match in Charleston. And she right. won the first set six love, but then had to retire because of a really terrible injury that was so such I hope a shame that yeah she's uh, she's recovered from that and not having to play in madrid because paldianchenko was a really tough first round but then um yeah so I, I look at this and i go i mean kenan it will be interesting to see where she's at because she's obviously not had the best of years and she just parted ways with her father um mm-hmm. on on the coaching front and so i think that's a brave bold decision Definitely. Um, i think it was brewing for a while now but i think it was it, it's interesting to see uh, which team that she builds around her and um, and just psychologically how that helps her on the court with her mm-hmm. tennis. I think it's also interesting because we've seen sort of player-parent tensions before, like I think with Tsitsipas. And I think it's even different for Kenan because she's won a major. And so I think it's going to be interesting that with, ever, with whatever new team she assembles, will she be able to get back to that same equilibrium that she achieved yeah. to win that Aust- Australian Open? And and I I think eventually she will be able to because she's such a great player. She's so mentally steady at her best, but I think it will be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, very few parent coaching dynamics actually work out very successfully. The most famous example would be Caroline Wozniacki and her dad. They were always by each other's side and had each other's, um, like that, that relationship I'm sure had its ups and downs, but it was a long lasting relationship. But that's like a very, I would say that's not the norm. That's the exception. 
Yeah, yeah. So, I think I think even when parent coaches are successful, I think there's inevitably a ton of tension and yeah, and a, a lot of disagreement often as well. Yeah, I, I agree. And then, yeah, I mean, and we could have a potentially if we look at the bottom half. I mean, uh, <laughs> Serena Osaka quarterfinal. Yeah, I, I was gonna say. I think I hope they both make it. We could get a Pagula and Osaka in the second round. Pagula gets yeah. through a uh, Katskina. Um, yeah, I also wonder how and Brady's Belinda in that section Benchich. as well. I also wonder a little bit about Belinda Bencic because she had a good run this week and pulled off some three setters, and um, she had a great year in 2019 and made the U.S. Open semis and won a won a Masters uh, won a WTA 1000 also. Mm-hmm. So I and she broke through in, in 2015 when she beat Serena in in Canada, I think, in a three set match. This was one of uh, Serena's like best years where. In 2015, where she was going for the Grand yeah. Slam, or the calendar year, she was so close. So, yeah. So, I so I'm curious to see how if Benchich can have like a, a good result this week, mm-hmm. and maybe Me we too. could see like Benchich and Serena. That would be so fun. Yeah, that that would be great. I think if things hold to seating here, this could be the most exciting section in the draw. Yeah, absolutely. And then I feel like that section with Halep is going to be very interesting too, because Halep won Rome in 2020 and. Mm-hmm. She's always talked about as like the reliable favorite for Roland Garros, but I, I do think her performance says, uh, as of late has left a little bit to be desired. I agree. Yeah. I think she said she wanted to like sweep the clay season and suffice it to say that has not happened so far. I think she is, yeah. um, I mean, she, she's great. She's so consistent, but, and she defends well, she has firepower, but she is susceptible to being knocked out by a big hitter on their day. And here, I mean, uh, we were saying earlier, Kerber hasn't been, having great results recently, but Halep could get Kerber in the second round. Um, uh, and, uh, I mean, th- these two uh, pairs to play one of the best matches in recent years at the 2018 Australian Open. Check that out on YouTube, especially the third set if you haven't seen it. So I- I'd love to see that matchup, um, to be honest. It's your it's your pinned tweet. It is, yeah, yeah. On uh, on your Twitter. Yeah, it was uh, when Kerber was serving at 4-5 uh, in the third set of that. She was down 15-30, barely missed a backhand down the line. And that made it match point. And then on the first match point, she went for the exact same shot and made it for a winner. Uh, and I think um, I think it's such a good example of mental strength. So yeah, I pinned that. Yeah, absolutely. That was a that that was one of the best matches I've ever seen. So I'd yeah, say th- they both saved match points in that third set. The rallies were just oh my gosh. Yeah, um, th- that's a must watch if you haven't seen it. Yeah, so I think um, that could be. And interest that could be like the most interesting maybe first round match. I mean, we could also have uh, obviously Sarah Srivis Tormo against Sabalenka. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Sakari against the winner of Goff and Putseva is pretty interesting too. I agree. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, apart from that, do we have any other big takeaways when you look at this? Mm. Not that I can think of. Do you want to do predictions? Sure. Yeah. Um, predictions are as hard as they come on the WTA. Yes. The depth, but, but I would I, say that I, I can, I, I can go first. Cause you gave me more time to think, uh, when you yeah. did the ACP first. So, um, I mean, I think I will say first of all, that there's a good chance these picks will fall through because it is so tough to maintain good results tournament to tournament because of the, the physical and mental mm-hmm. wear and tear. But I think, I think we do get that party Sapolenka quarterfinal i think barty comes through that and then i think in the second section i think we are going to see Sviantek and 
I'll say Muguruza, even though she's just coming back. But I think we could see Spitalina as well. And then I think Sviantek comes through that section. And so we get that rematch in the semifinals. Um, and then the bottom yeah. section, I will say... I think Halif gets through and makes the semifinals. I think defending that title, she'll be confident. And she'll also really, really want a big clay title ahead of Roland Garros. And then in the bottom section, I would really like to see Osaka and Serena, but I think one of them will lose early. And, you know, I think I'm going to say Brady ends up going through that section. I think she's going to take out either Osaka or Pagula in the fourth round. And so then I'll say Halif beats Brady, and I'll say Sviantek gets the better of Barty this time. And then, this is so funny, because it, I actually this predicted This is pretty similar Fiontech, to what... It, oh, really? I predicted Sviantek Halif, um, and, and they both lost. Like, after the after the podcast, they said Halif would beat Sviantek at the Madrid final. And yeah, yeah. I, I remember <laughs> saying something pretty similar to this. Um, and and Sviantek so, um, loses to, uh, to Barty. And mm-hmm. then uh, Halep lost to Martins, 7-5 in the third. Yeah, well, I, I think um, <laughs> something will inevitably mess up this uh, this dream prediction. And I'll say um, Sviantek beats Halep for the title. I like it, yeah. Sviantek winning her first Masters 1000. She'll now have yeah. a Grand Slam, a 500, and a 1000 on her resume. That would be, that would be quite something. Mm-hmm. I would say... Um, I have Barty in the semis as well, uh, getting through Sabalenka. But then I, I honestly feel like I feel like if fatigue might start playing a factor. A little yeah, bit. That, that's one of the reasons why I picked um, Sviantek to get to the final over her. Yeah, if we could see a rematch again of Barty and Sviantek, that'd be fantastic. Man. It's just that'd that, be so um, awesome. Like multiple clay rivalries going on at the same time. Yeah, it's just that Muguruza, when she's at her best, will probably beat Svitolina. But it's just yep, that um, Svitolina has so much success in Rome. She's won Rome in 2017 and 2018. Mm. And she beat she beat Halep in the finals. Like, she bageled Halep what time in, in oh, Rome. Wow. I, I didn't know the that, final. yeah. So, yeah, maybe she's a better think, pick than Muguruza to make the, the quarters. So so I'll, I'll say she, she makes the quarters, and she meets Sviantek. And I will say... Hmm. It's tough. Sviantek versus Svitolina. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with the more experienced player. I'd love to see Sviantek in there in the semis, but I'll just go, I'll just s- stick with experience. Interesting. Um, over it, youth. It's, it's crazy considering case. like how successful Svitolina is in Rome, but I feel like that would be an upset if she were to beat Sviantek. Yeah, it would. <laughs> because because of their peak levels for sure. Yeah, exactly. But I will <laughs> but I will I will say Svitolina wears her down in three sets. And we have a Svitolina and Barty semifinal. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And Barty has been getting the better of Svitolina as of late too. But I, but I feel like their last match was pretty close where um, Svitolina served for the match in Stuttgart. Right. And she has an overall 5-2 head-to-head against Barty. But Barty is, of course, a different player now. Mm-hmm. But of course, also Barty will be a little fatigued, and so Svitolina might take advantage of that. So I'll, I'll, I'll I'm being bold, and I, I'll go with it because why not? I'll mm-hmm. take Svitolina in the final. All right, and and I guess it's not maybe not so bold because she's won this tournament twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the semi, uh, um, 
And the other semi, I think Osaka will get knocked out by Brady. Mm-hmm. I can say um, that. I think Brady is just more comfortable on clay. Um, and then the question is, who does Serena... Serena right away faces Podoroska, which is like Podoroska made the semifinals of Roland Garros last year. So that that could be interesting. She places either Sigmund. But I'm guessing... I'm going to say Osaka doesn't get there. I'm going to say Brady gets to the semis. Okay. Um, I'm going to say she knocks out Belinda Bencic, who beats Serena. So I have Belinda Bencic beating Serena, getting to the quarters. And then actually, 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 I'm going to change that. I'm going to say Bencic <laughs> gets to the semis. I'm going to say Bencic right. beat. I'm going to say Bencic beats Serena and Brady and gets to the semis. And she will face. Yeah. So so we have. You're going with yeah, the U.S. That, Open yeah. 2019 U.S. Open semifinalists here with uh, Bencic and uh, Spitalina going deep. Yes, and then I have her facing Halep. Okay. But then I have um, and then I have Halep uh, beating Bencic. Okay. And so I have a Halep versus Svitolina final. And who do you have there? <laughs> and I have Halep winning it this time. Okay. <laughs> we, we we went in really different directions there, even though um even though we had a common finalist in uh in hell up there um this this should be interesting. My guess is both of us will be very wrong, but it will be fun to see it unfold. I'd love to see it whether we're right or we're wrong. I yeah. think it's yeah. Th- just... This will be fun to track. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, predictions are always so fun, especially before the tournament where they're just like yeah. How are we going to get this right? Yeah, going but, big on Medvedev to win the Australian Open will haunt me forever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the guys made two hardcore slam finals now, so yeah, it's did better in one than the other. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I guess with that, um, I think that about does it for everyone. Yep. Um, and uh, this was so much fun to record. We we even had we had so many side tangents, but a lot of great uh, content that we were able to cover and we hope everyone enjoys this tournament. You can follow it all on TNNS. So download that app and follow all the coverage. We'll be back with more podcasts. Um, As usual, follow us all on social media. You can follow us at tennis and bagels. You can follow us at uh, our individual accounts me at bunch V2K. I love closing in on a thousand by the way. Uh, So help get them there guys. I appreciate that, um, but uh, but I love tweeting about stats and and analytic um, and anything I can find related to any kind of stat, whether it be obscure or uh, about players' results or anything, whether it be during a specific match or careers. I just love doing that. Um, Owen also uh, is pretty active on Twitter, and he's also getting to a thousand closer. He's he's going to get to a thousand soon, I believe, too. And he's in the 900. So help him get there as well. And thank you. And also, um, Andre, check out Tennis Canada because they're doing such great work. Yeah. Um, so Andre recently made a, a brilliant Star Wars edit um, with a, with some lightsabers with a, a Death Star um, for Tennis Canada. And you can also follow him at uh, Roland Berg, Andre. Absolutely. And he'll be back with us next time we do this this podcast. So Yes. Can't wait for that. So yeah, stay tuned and enjoy the tennis and we'll see you all soon.
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com